Access an exclusive audience of lower funnel car buyers through our network of over 500 affinity partners, including USAA, Sam's Club, and AAA. Close more sales in a cost-effective way. There's never been a better time to become a TrueCar certified dealer. Hey, 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 it's that time again. It's Thursday, 3.30, and it is November 8th. Um, I'm David Villa, and I'm not here with David Cribbs. I'm not in the studio. I'm actually in the uh, front room here in our offices, and the uh, studio is right over there. Right over there. You can't see outside that window and over there. So what am I doing over here? Well, here's the thing, guys. Today's going to be a little different. Um, I, uh, I am so excited about the show. We are engaging right now. We have Taria, Mikey, Kim, Lewis, and even myself. Um, we're going to be engaging all show with you, but here's what we have planned for you guys today on Auto Dealer Live. Um, we wanted to bring you a couple of strong episodes that were the best of. So what we did is we did a compilation, and um, I'm actually sitting here. It's actually Thursday. It's actually, if you want to see, it's actually 2:26 when I'm recording this on November 8th. So uh, in one hour from right now, I'll be watching myself do this, and. Uh, so, but here's what we did. Just in just a minute, we have put together a few pieces of some of our favorite shows. These aren't recent shows. Some of these are, um, you know, uh, last year and, and even the year before. But we went back and uh, let me tell you who's on the show today. Um, we first of all, we do. We're gonna. We one of our favorite shows. One of my favorite shows was a live remote at Brandon Honda um, for a couple of reasons. A, it was really cool then with John Marazzi, uh, who's going to be on the show in just a minute. Um, John Marazzi, one of the strongest managing partners and car guys I know, runs Brandon Honda and Sun Toyota. But what was also special about doing the live remote there that you're getting ready to see, we had Alan Ram, the late Alan Ram. And you know, I was thinking about Alan recently and uh, what a great uh, trainer and what a, first of all, great man, a great trainer in the auto industry, a lot of knowledge. So Alan is there and so I wanted to bring in uh, some of my favorite moments of that show live, right in the showroom of Brandon Honda. You're gonna see that in a minute. So we have the late Alan Ram that's gonna be on the show today. We have John Marazzi on the show today. And then we are going to visit another show. We had some absolute monsters in the auto business on with us. We had a show where I'm surprised we could fit the talent, the talent, uh, the uh, superstarism in, in the, that, were, that was on this show, into one show. We have the one and only Grant Cardone. We have Tracy Myers, the owner of uh, Frank Myers Automax, also a keynote speaker, just an incredible guy. Uh, we have Rick Reichart, the number one, the number one pre-owned dealer in the United States, Rick Reichart. We have Chris Saracino, the vice president and partner of Kelly Automotive Group. Uh, what an incredible car person. Andrew Dunton. Andrew is one of the strongest general uh, managers I know. Um, he has been with uh, for, for over 25 years with organizations like AutoNation and Asbury. And uh, Andrew is, uh, is currently with the Dimmit organization, and he is on the show. Also, the one and only Lisa Copeland is holding the fort down as well, and I think she's holding this whole panel together. And then we're going to move on to a third panel, our final panel of the afternoon, where we interview Troy Spring. Troy is an incredible marketer and uh, a general sales manager at this time of the show. Bobby Collins, general manager of Coconut Point Ford in Estero, Florida. 
uh, one of the original car guys, man. Um, David Green is on the panel. Rick McCoy, general manager uh, and, and really strong car guy. And then Mike, the car guy, Mike Carrera, one of our original fans from years ago, one of our original guests from a long time ago. And uh, we have him on the panel as well. You don't want to miss it. John Marazzi, Alan Ram. Grant Cardone, Tracy Myers, Rick Reichart, Chris Saracino, Andrew Dutton, Lisa Copeland, Troy Spring, Bobby Collins, David Green, Rick McCoy, and Mike Carrera. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to engage with you live today. We want to hear what you have to say because this content is relevant. It's as relevant today as it ever was. So stay tuned with us right now. We're going to go. Here we go. Are you ready to go back in our time machine to Brandon Honda to the showroom? Here we go. The queen of cars. What? She said, two panels today? Double my pleasure, double my fun. With two ends, she put on it. my goodness it's short and sweet this week ladies and gents hashtag auto deal live hashtag slash tags and if you got something worth us doing something with guess what we'll do something with it till then why don't you go why don't you go have yourself a great day huh the next up we have uh, john marazzi and we have alan ram uh, alan ram's the ceo and president uh, proactive training solutions out of uh, Arizona, and we have, of course, the dealer principal of Brandon Honda and Sun Toyota. And Sun Toyota is officially in Holiday or Newport Ritchie, correct? It is. Okay, and we have John Marazzi, who who's also been on the show um, before, and um, we're here at Brandon Honda, uh, John Store, and Alan. I'm going to start with you. You're why are you here, man? You're here. You normally aren't in Florida, and we, you know, we've had you on the show, but it's always been through Skype. And and uh, once you tell the audience why you're here in Florida. And uh, and uh, you know why we were able to even do this today? We're uh, putting on one of my manage. We put on a management by fire workshop, a private one, for John's team, for uh, Brandon Honda and uh, the team at Sun Toyota. And so he was good enough to invite me out about a month and a half, two months ago. We set this up before he even took possession of uh, Sun Toyota, and uh, that's what we've been doing. Two and a half days of working with his team, and. Uh, it's a great, fantastic team, mm. uh, an unbelievable team. Some of the things that they've been doing over, especially the new store, Sun Toyota. They've always done great things here, but Sun Toyota, what they're doing there is incredible in the first month. Well, John, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of bring that up. I mean, first of all, guys, if you don't know who Brandon Honda is, they're in the top 10, uh, top 10 in the U.S. of, of net profit Honda dealerships. Um, and, and it's special to me because I grew up here in the Tampa Brandon area. Um, I've witnessed this store, John, before you were here. And what you've done, uh, you've done an incredible job in, in the last uh, few years here. And uh, speaking of Sun Toyota, it's, it's, it's definitely not a new store, but it's got new ownership. And uh, you guys, I want to ask you, is it true? You broke a record. Sun Toyota's been around, man, for, for a minute. They've been around for a little while. And you have Hyundai of Newport Ritchie, and you have Friendly Kia, and several stores that are making a mark there. And here you came in, month one, and I hear you break a record. 
Give us your formula or what you can give without killing anyone um, that you use to pull this off. Well, you know, we, uh, we bought the store February 16th. Uh, Morgan Auto Group um, and Larry Morgan and Brett Morgan are my partners. Couldn't ask for better partners. But, Great guys. you know, we talked about um, what would be the perfect acquisition. And, of course, uh, Sun Toyota, they've done a good job. They're, you know, they've done 500-plus cars, uh, did a pretty big job and fixed of, you know, five, six, seven hundred grand at their record. But we really believe when we look at the market, we could do some big things there. And, um, you know, we went in there mid-February, and, you know, for the most part, we kept the people the same. Uh, I brought a couple people in with me, but we went through a complete culture change at the store. We talked about, you know, my analogy to them was the NFL, and I said, you know, you've made it to uh, the playoffs. You possibly made it to a AFC or NFC championship game. I said, but at that point, you lost. I said, the big guy uh, on the um, on the brand side, the Sunday Newport Richie, Scott Fink and Dave Frazier, do a fantastic job there. But on the Toyota side, it was my old store, Fort mm-hmm. Myers Toyota, that's been the king of the hill forever. Right. And we, you know, clearly laid out what the game plan was, what the goal was, what we were going to accomplish, and then we implemented, you know, with with me, it's strategy, it's execution, and then more importantly, it's accountability. We measure everything. And we put in a bunch of programs, put in a bunch of new technology, and, uh, you know, we went full bore on training, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Alan, Alan has a great point about it's not education, it's training. It's actually getting people role-playing, getting the words out, practicing. And, uh, you, know, we, you know, we did some specifics, which we'll get into later. But um, we did uh, in March. We took down my old store, Fort Myers Toyota. We were number one. <clears throat> we broke a... Um, we broke an all-time new car, all-time sales new car record. Came close on pre-owned. We doubled the fix operation year over year. They did 480 grand last March. We did a million dollars our first month in fixed, and we're going to have an all-time net profit record the first month we were in there. And we pretty much did it with the exact same team. <laughs> I mean, first of all, man, it, it, that, if that doesn't if that doesn't get your attention as a dealer, nothing will. I mean, it, first of all, and I know I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on fixed stops, you know, but I'll tell you this: it's 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 the, it's the bread and butter, right? It's what it's what takes care of the dealership into double last year's money, John. That's that's <laughs> incredible, man. Excellent job there, and uh, that means a lot to every principal and every GM that's in charge of fixed operations um, that's listening right now. And uh, but Alan, you know, I, and I want to kind of you know piggyback off of some of the discussion we were having earlier. You know, John just said you know it wasn't just training, but you know it's interesting. You do management by fires all over the country, and you know you speak at every major conference. You do, of course, you have online training platforms, social selling platforms. But here you are doing more of a private, you know boutique type of uh, management by fire for for two stores ran by one person and john had you said it was interesting he had some of his upper level salespeople, future managers even in this room and you you said you were impressed by that no i absolutely was impressed because at first i was a little bit uh surprised i when, when we set this up i asked john hey can you put 30 to 35 people managers in the room he said yeah no problem then as it got closer, we, we started talking about the attendance, and he said, well, you know, I'm going to have a few of my top salespeople, a few of the people that I'm going to be promoting as well down the road in the room. 
And, you know, th think about that as a concept. Most, most dealerships, one of the biggest issues that I think that we have in the industry is a lot of dealerships don't necessarily have managers that know how to manage. They have managers that, that they're great at working the desk, they're, they're, they're fantastic closers, but they don't necessarily know how to manage activity. And you can get a good read on a dealership. When you first walk up, when you first pull up at this dealership and you see nobody standing out front, maybe you saw one person, the next person, the next person up was standing up front, you can tell at that point that dealership's being effectively managed. Whereas if you walk, pulled up, up to the dealership and you see 14 salespeople standing around outside talking to each other, you can't convince me that that dealership's being effectively managed. So, so a lot of it is, you know, you, you have to have good management. And what a concept. We're actually going to train people to be managers before we give them the job. I, I think you actually took that from the airline industry, right? They try to train the pilots before they give them jobs as pilots? <laughs> uh, I don't quite know where I got it from. It might have been that, but... Uh, <laughs> Well, you, well you, um, leadership and coaching is something you're real passionate about. Um, you know, why don't you, why don't you expand on that and kind of piggyback off what, I, what Alan just said? Well, you know, that's, that's really where that dealership needed a little bit of help and uh, leadership. Um, you know, what, what most managers do is they manage every day. They, they come in, they tell people what to do, they call people in, they have a beat-up session. Some of them are seagull managers. They fly in, shit on everyone, and fly out. Um, and that's, that's what we're used to in the car business. Unfortunately, we learn from our boss and they learn from their boss. So right. what we do is we talk about becoming better people emotionally, spiritually, financially, physically, uh, family, relationships. And so our, our Saturday meetings, we're talking about how to get better as people. We're playing inspirational videos. We're talking about real-world uh, instances. We, we had a guy uh, pass at Sun Toyota, uh, coronary heart failure and, you know, drinking and eating bad. And, you know, we went through meditation and deep breathing and why it's so important. We just were in the middle of an uh, eight-week uh, weight loss challenge here at Brandon Honda. And we have 20 people on it. Every Monday morning, we're getting delivered. We have, you know, 15 to 20 people doing juice cleanses every Monday and Tuesday. So there's some of the things, and I, I guess it's the old adage, it's a two-way street. And really, when your teammates know that you really care about them, you're, it isn't lip service, they're going to care about you. And, and, you know, we all know happy employees give you happy customers. That's right. You probably aren't too happy with my... Me drinking this five shots of espresso. I would say uh, I'm I, I missed that email on the weight loss challenge. I'm not really sure my salespeople would show was, up if I did that, Alan. You saw um, the size of my sales staff. juicing. <laughs> They'd like office actually, alignment. I, actually, I, I, I'm, that, I'm that have retired. What? <laughs> that not, retired. not in not it's current like, NFL. Yeah, office yeah, it's alignment. like it's like it's like when they when they hit like they're forty you know forty five forty six years old you know knees are bad and yeah. and they. Uh, I, know what you're, I, I, said that, I sat on a flight next to the fridge one time, so I know what you're talking wow, about. Wow, nice. <laughs> yeah, um, well, we have we have competitive eat-even contests over at IPD, <laughs> yeah. so I think our culture we may need John to come do a meeting for us. Um, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, Alan. I mean, I love to have you on the show, man. And and uh, you know, you're, you're you're probably the the bluntest person and um, most straightforward that I, you, know, you just answer. You just it is what you see is what you get. And um, you make no apologies for that, and I love that. We've had you on a couple of, you know, debates that were prompted really by others, you know, kind of they poked you. Right. And, you know, and, and it was always 
I hate, I almost said policy. I've been watching so many freaking so much political crap lately. But it was it was based on issues, based on you know like you know actual. Hey, do we monitor calls? Do we not monitor calls? Or hey, cradle to grave or not? You know. So there were. It wasn't just like you had a beef with someone. Uh, and so you always have set it straight. You know, as a result, I noticed, you know, going to d- d- digital dealer or places with the vendors, people, they, they seem intimidated or they kind of sh- shy away from you, man. Do you notice that? Like NADA and places like well, that? I mean, I, did you just call me a pariah? He said, he said, you're like, people think you have like the plague. They walk by you and then they do no, like, I think that they it's do like, this, they cover their they're mouth. Afraid of what, they, they're afraid of what I might say. I, I, maybe no, that's I, it. You know what? I don't think so. I, 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 I've got a lot of great relationships in the automotive industry a lot of a lot of great partners uh ncm mm-hmm. uh next up fantastic product call drip co video a lot of people that i work with have have great products and and sometimes people take things you know my, my opinion on things aren't personal it's not me saying hey this person's an idiot or this you know this person doesn't know what he's talking about but i have a, a problem with you know opinions and and you know that that call monitoring thing for example i think that's we all know the one i'm talking about but the call monitoring and at the end of the day what what i was talking about was dealerships who who monitors your calls john you your managers monitor your calls we had a conversation about that managers monitor sales calls because if you have someone else outside the dealership listening to your calls and what what became clear uh during that debate was a lot of these companies have agents in third world countries listening to your sales calls well what's the goal of a sales call goal of a sales call is not to set up an appointment now i'm not saying we don't want to set up appointments but we do but the goal of a sales call is to get a customer in the door and a lot of people will set up appointments with a salesperson just to get off the phone and they'll say and and it's smoke mm-hmm. well, yeah yeah okay we, yeah, we'll try to make it in and the salesperson says okay i'll try to uh, let me put you down for an appointment at about seven o'clock tonight all right thank you and you and I listen to that call would say there is no way that customer's showing up. I did, I listen to voice inflection. I listen to tone. I don't care that an appointment was was quote unquote set. It mm-hmm. wasn't that customer's not showing up. Where someone in a third world country, for example, would hear, "Oh, that is an appointment. Good," and check it off. Right? It, it, well, let me ask you this: Why is it? Why does it so, seem so hard? Is that a Canadian for, accent? No. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Why is it I so, didn't know. I. I, I Kind of midstream, I decided to change it. I should have made up my mind which one I was going with beforehand. <laughs> well, why is it so hard, man, for dealers to get their phones handled properly? Then, I mean, what does it come down to? It, well, it's not hard. It's none of this stuff. None of the things that we talk about are hard. It's the the thing is though, nothing, no one process works in a vacuum. So I'm not going to tell you that hey, if you buy my training, you have my training. Hey, everything's going to be rosy. Because it's not, you have to have other things in place as well. And I know what a lot of dealers do. They buy training like mine. It doesn't matter whose training it is. And they say, hey, guys, did you get on your training? All right, get on your training. Go, go watch Alan Ram. Go take a couple tests. It's not how it works. You have to have a process that works. For example, here at Brandon Honda, they've got a managed retail sales process. They've got, in other words, they've got an, uh, a rotation, an up rotation that's conducive to their people wanting to be on the, on the phones. Their, their people aren't worried about what's going on out there because they know they're gonna get a text as soon as it's their turn to take an up. They have managers that actually know how to manage. Nothing good happens, nothing good at a dealership happens despite the fact that you don't have good management. So you can buy my training, you can buy anyone's training out there, 
nothing to, nothing's going to work despite good management. They have great management here that works with their salespeople, that trains with their salespeople. So everything has to work together. That's, I think that's a key, and I think John would agree with that and, because that's what he's got here. Every, every, everybody works together towards the common goal. of people in the auto business again how relevant they are or not i'm not sure but there's endless people in the or around the auto business that describe how millennials demand a collaborative workplace but a new uh ceb global uh study says that millennials those born between 1980 and 2000 they say and this is kind of a millennial think tank type deal says they're the most competitive generation in today's workplace what do you say lisa when it comes to this you know they demand this collaborative atmosphere and environment but yet some say they're the most competitive and we took a poll in our office and it seems like they feel like they're competitive hmm, that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> you know yes are they competitive absolutely are they motivated absolutely but i think different things motivate them than what motivate us mm -hmm. and it isn't money all the time you know and i that's you know and then that's what that's what's interesting to me and that's what makes them more difficult to manage in the automotive space is because those of us who've been around a while, I mean, we get up every morning to make money and to make a lot of it. Whereas this group, that isn't as much. You know, they, you're to your point. They are. They're looking for you know great work environment and a great place to go. And they're working for they're looking for a 40-hour work week and to make enough money. And this isn't everybody, so 80-20 rule. But they're they're looking for enough money to have a good life and make a good living. And so I think that's been our challenge in the automotive industry because it's counterintuitive to what we've done in the past. And I'm not saying what the past is the best. It's just us, the older generation in this industry, trying to adjust to the to, to the new world, to the new work order. Okay. And uh, let me ask you, uh, Chris, what's your what's your thought on this as well? I mean. You know, again, the study saying, and this is from a millennial think tank. And again, we took this poll here, and and literally, it was weird. I had a couple of uh, salespeople that were outside of the millennial, maybe in their early forties, late thirties, kind of saying, "Nah, that's not true," you know, and kind of arguing with them. Before you know it, five minutes into it, I'm refereeing it. I said, "Guys, stop!" I said, "Actually, these millennials are fighting for this argument right now on how they're the most competitive. Isn't that a sign of, hey, I'm competitive?" So let me ask this, Tracy: Are we getting it wrong? <laughs> Are they really possibly motivated by money? Because there's a study I'm going to give you in a minute with a statistic that one of my millennials gave us that I didn't know about. So talk about that, Tracy. You know, are, are they really maybe possibly motivated by money? Maybe we're getting it wrong? Well, you know, there's always a possibility we're getting it wrong. But 70% of our sales staff at the, our main stores, millennials, and I don't see any of them motivated by money. Or it sure doesn't seem that way. They're motivated by time off, time with their family, time with their friends, fun activities with their coworkers, and they really do like that collaborative uh, atmosphere, so to speak, uh, working together, buddy, buddy. And, you know, just I'm 44, almost 45. It wasn't like that. I mean, we like we 
man, I, I, I would work 75, 80 hours a week. I wanted the money. It was mm-hmm. about the money to me. That's why I did what I did, but it's just not like that now, or it sure doesn't seem that way. So I'm looking for somebody to prove me wrong. Okay. Mr. Grant Cardone. <laughs> yeah, what's happening? How are you, sir? Good. Who is that? This is Tommy. I'm the, uh, I'm the guy that doesn't have a cardboard cut out of yet at my house. <laughs> Tell me what's happening, man. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Um, hey, listen. Well, what do you well, weigh in on that, man? Because I was, we, I was actually part of that. God, I was part of that discussion we were having here. I, I, think, I, think, I think you guys need to get out of your out of your town, the town that you're in. You know, you might you might need to look. I got, I, got, I don't know, seven hundred, eight hundred people on a stream right now, and I'll bet you eighty percent of them are millennials, and they're screaming money, and they're screaming improvement. I had twenty five. 17-year-olds in my office today, I'm like, what do you guys want to know? The number one answer is, is how do I get successful? How do I get some money? How do I go out and get away from my parents? I mean, I had four kids want Lamborghinis this morning, so I don't know who you guys are talking to, uh, but the people, I'm, when, you, when you open up your net and, and you quit labeling and stigmatizing these, these young kids just just because they're not exactly the way you are, right. you might find out some of them want, maybe they just don't want to sell cars at your dealership. Maybe they don't like the way that 45-year-old manager treats them. Maybe, maybe you guys are deciding going in that, that, you know, he's just, because he's 24, that, but nobody taught him how to shake a hand. Nobody taught him how to greet a customer. Nobody taught him how to control a cycle. Nobody's taught him about sales. Nobody taught him how to close the deal. Nobody's taught him the imparts to all that stuff. So don't expect that they have these tools after, after freaking 12 years of being put under the ether of education. That's a good point. Let me ask you, Andrew, I mean, working with AutoNation for, for a long time, and of course now with Asbury, you're a, you know, you're, you, you've been with some public companies, and I know these guys are, I've interviewed some of their HR uh, personnel, they're really going after this hard. What do you think, and how, you know, is is what Grant's saying right here? Um, have we gotten this wrong, or maybe we're misjudging? What's your experience with this millennial generation and their desire to make money in your dealerships? Well, our company does have a program called the MIT program. It's Manager in Training. It's designed for college grads recent college grads. Uh, locally here in Tampa, we, of course, reach out to the University of South Florida uh, primarily, which is one of our first candidates, by the way, is in charge of 24 dealerships in Florida. He's 34 years old. Um, and it's designed to get that high-quality educated candidate and who wants to come into uh, um, retail automotive and, you know, eventually end up running a store or um, more. So we do see some uh, extremely talented and uh, highly motivated um, killers, really. Um, is, is the mortality rate um, high? It's probably, you know, comparable to other candidates that we get in that uh, age bracket that just come in through the traditional uh, manner of uh, an online ad or something. but. Some of the top candidates we get out of that are a little different than um, I saw um, in 1989 when I started at Carlisle Lincoln Mercury. 
You know, uh, real quick too. I know you're in a real competitive market, Andrew. I mean, J uh, Grant knows one of the guys that's right down the street from you, John Marazzi, which he's freaking stroking it over 500 cars now. And then you got Brandon Ford. Um, we got Matt Lasko on the show all the time. And Matt, when he was here, um, mystery shopped uh, Brandon Ford because they were beating his pants off in certified Ford pre-owned. And so I got a, a, a kid that goes to our church. It's like um, I think he's Billy. How old is Billy, Mike? Nineteen. 22 years old and he's selling 20 cars a month now four months into brandon ford so i'm gonna have to hook you up with him because and this kid's you know i see him and he's like you know he, he never thought about selling cars that wasn't what he wanted to do but he's he's killing it and he said you know what he, i wanted to try to hire him here and he said i want to become number one before i leave and i could appreciate that and um so let me ask you chris i mean you you know you said uh, when we talked about this panel you said you know you think that there's a need for both collaboration and and competitiveness in a dealership do dealerships benefit from collaboration and and then secondly is there still room chris for competition where we're at i think you could do it all i think a team you know you're in, you know, different than a sports team you you collaborate as a team so you compete in your market so you could dominate i mean that's no different than a sports team they collaborate uh together so they could dominate and win every time that's that's how, that's how businesses are run. You want to make sure everybody's working together so you can beat the net, the closest competitor, beat everybody in the region, state, nation. So I I don't know what's different here uh, than than a, than any sports team. They work together. Uh, Grant has a business. I guarantee the people that are working with his business work together so they could dominate any business they're part about. But they work together to do that. So you could do collaboration. You could compete. So you could. So you win. That's that's what business is all about. Yeah, I was. And when it comes to people, I mean, it still comes down to getting what you can't teach. You could teach a lot of things, but you can't teach uh, you can't teach a sense of urgency. You can't teach desire. You can't teach work work ethics. You just have to find the right people and keep looking. Because when I started in 1984, there were lots of lazy people that didn't want to work more than 40 hours and didn't want to compete. Uh, it's the same thing today. It's just finding the right people that that want to be great, and then. Giving them the, the the tools needed to excel. Before you read that statistic, too, Rick. I mean, I want to give you a chance to weigh in here, but I want to kind of just add one of these other questions that I had on here because we, you know, I think this is pretty good. We had a team here come up with some some thoughts, and so so this is kind of what I'm hearing, and, and I know Grant would agree with this, and, and most of you guys, I'm sure, would if you if you really really think about it. The the point is, I guess, the age. So let's look at it. So it's not an age thing, Rick. It's it's because it's the predictor. You know, some people right out of college, you know, want to compete. And there's people that are 50 and 60 year old that, you know, that have no desire, but that possibly are leaning towards this collaborative, you know, and, and you know, somebody that maybe you wouldn't waste your time on hiring. I mean, is that a, is that a fair point? So whether they're young or old, what's your thinking on that, Rick? I mean, do you, <laughs> do you have hammers in there that are young? Are you had, have you had good experience with this? I mean, do they want to do things differently? Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I don't discriminate. You know, because someone's of millennial age, you know, if so millennials are younger adults that seem to not do everything with the status quo and they kind of have their own ways of communicating and they don't really want to reform to the way of their parents. We used to just call those rebels back in the day. And uh, back in my day, that was okay to be a little bit different and fight the, what the norm was. People's parents create millennials, these helicopter parents yeah. that decide to be a child's best friend rather than be someone that's going to push them to be ambitious in life. And there are 22, 23 year olds coming out of the military today that are waiting tables and busting their ass 
because their parents didn't spoon feed them. They had to work. They had to get up their ass. They went to school to learn to become something, and their parents aren't inviting them to come back and live in my basement until you're 40. They're out there. You just have to recruit. You have to know how to recruit and find them, and they do want to collaborate as a unit because they want they want to make a difference. They want to know how they can advance. They want to know what difference they can make within their community and how they can improve their own life. And then when it gets to the point of, okay, now you're one-on-one -on -one with the customer and you're a commission-based salesperson, then you're self-employed. And if you don't choose to compete and you're going to spend your day collaborating and helping the other salesman all day, you're going to be what's called unemployed. So it's simple. It's just up to someone's choice. Whatever they choose to do in life, they'll be able to take that uh, path if they put their mind to it, the same as it has been for 100 years. I, you know, I had a question too, just based off what I'm hearing, and I'm, you know, I'm 38, so I guess I'm an X Gen X. I yeah, think. you're not a millennial. No, I know I'm not a millennial. I get it. Okay. <laughs> the other day you were trying to. I didn't know if I was or not. That's you are not problem. a millennial. Okay, so I'm not a millennial. I'm older. Yeah. So, but what I when I'm what I'm Let asking is, I'm hearing so what? Let it go, man. You're All right, sorry, I'm fine. Sorry, yeah. So I'm hearing so much about the millennial, millennial. I, I don't know, and maybe Grant or maybe Tracy, somebody can can weigh in on this. That's that's been around for a minute. Is that was, were we always trying to cater things to generation, quote unquote, generations prior to the millennial? Why do I hear so much about the millennial generation and why we need to cater to them or do things different or whatever? Why is that even being mentioned half uh, as much as yeah, it is? Yeah, I, you know, I think I think that's a great great question to ask, and I don't understand when when we have somebody in my office, I never see their age. I, I don't know how many of you guys when you hire somebody, I don't see their age, I don't see their sex. I don't see the color of their skin. I see nothing. I see, dude, you got any hustle or not, bro? I don't even see their resume. I don't care about their resume. I care nothing about any of that. If, I, if I'm asking about somebody's age, it's only because I'm interested in, like, how did he get where he's at right now in his life, you know? Mm -hmm. Why would one guy find me at 21 years old and another guy not find me until he was 54? So I don't know why we talk about millennials so much. Every time I hear this, I think, this sounds like my grandparents talking about me when I was listening to Led Zeppelin. Oh, the generation is going to hell. Oh, my God. He uses a telephone. Oh, my God. Uh, he has automatic his car. What kind of man would use an automatic shifter in an automobile? Well, dude, you know, one day we're not going to even drive a car. So, like, we, we, we're on a planet of 7 billion people, most of which are misguided, undisciplined, overeducated, and don't really know anything. So if you if you move to go to Colombia, go to Bogota, Colombia, where where I just left, and see what kind of problem you got. You know. You think go they're talking about you think they're talking about millennials in Bogota? They're like, no, I think they're talking about a work. I think you know, they're talking about a work ethic. Hey guys, problem. what's up? Real quick, we're getting ready to talk with Matt Lasco, VP over at Lasco Auto Group. Uh, we're gonna be talking a little bit about Auto Dealer University and uh, just having a real good discussion with him. Come check it out. Good morning, this is Matt. Hey, Mr. Matt Lasco, how are you? It's Mikey with IPD. Good, Mikey, what's going on, pal? You've done a lot of training yourself. You've interacted with a lot of different people who've done training. So I, I, I guess I just had a quick question for you about what, in, in your opinion, is different about Auto Dealer University that you've experience so far um, compared to anything else you've ever done? Well, I think that uh, number one, um, the platform itself is, as far as the sales rep is very user friendly. Um, so that helps. It's, it's simple, short, and sweet. 
Um, in the car business, unless you're a new hire trainee, uh, you don't have a lot of free time in your day. But we have a process where we get somebody to log in every day and get at least one class done, even by veterans. And they don't mind doing it because it's short enough to where they can get get it done, get some great contact or content, I should say, and uh, and then go back to their normal daily life and, and get some cars sold. So um, I also think that it's a unique way of putting more than one uh, face on a platform. I've seen some of them where it's all the same trainer. And this this gives an opportunity to get different views of the car business. I, I mean, to be honest, there's different markets, there's different tactics, different clients. Um, and I think this tool is giving a lot of opportunity to learn different different ways to reach people. Do you see training as an expense or an investment? And you know, if so, or why is that? Yeah, we're definitely on the same page when it comes to looking at it as, as an investment. Um, I mean, in, in simple, simple math, simple numbers, where where I think dealers miss it is, you spend a, a minute amount on training. Let's round it off. Let's say it's a thousand bucks you spend a month for a training platform. Well, if you either have a new hire that greeted 10 people and missed out on three opportunities, uh, in today's world, you've given up six grand in gross, and that's one person, not 18 year salespeople. Or the sample that I, I use a ton of people is, is my veteran that takes one of the particular courses that gave them a close that they may have known five years ago that they just forgot to use, and it keeps them fresh. So the same thing goes, my veteran is going to succeed better by using every tool that they've had, and we all need a refresher sometimes. Um, so we really look at it as an investment. I mean, we, we train throughout every department in our company, and we feel like that it, it makes the staff stronger. Uh, we use it as a part of our hiring process. We explain to people that we do have ongoing training that they get to utilize, which gives us a competitive edge when you're trying to hire people. And uh, I also think that it makes my staff survive. If I make you good at your job, you'll make good income. If you make good income, you'll stay on my team. And we look at training as a way to be able to reach people that way. Well, hey, I appreciate your time. And um, it's been really fantastic talking with you. Hope you have a great rest of your day. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to you again soon. My pleasure. Good luck to you guys down there. Absolutely. So the next up. The next up is our Tower Talk panel. Tower Talk panel. We got Rick McCoy, Troy Springs, Bobby Collins, David Green, and Mike Carrera. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the Tower Talk. How are you guys today? Awesome. Doing great. great. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. Yeah, thank thanks you. for having me. No problem. Thank you, guys. I know, Troy, you're, last I heard you were you were traveling, um, and I think the rest of you guys, uh, uh, the three dealers are in the dealership today. We know two of you guys are on video, so we know you are. I uh, want to thank you guys for, for taking the time to join us. I'm going to jump right in, man. Some questions. I think this might get you guys a little bit. Um, some of you guys may very well agree. may have some opinions that agree with this. But I think uh, knowing a couple of you, um, you may actually disagree with this. But this is something that's coming in. Fresh off of like Driving Sales uh, Summit, some of the discussions on some of the dealer panels, um, this is a hot question that came in. And, Bobby, I'm going to jump to you, man. And, uh, Mike, I'll let you, you and Bobby kind of just talk about this for a minute. Our Internet managers – the future GSMs and GMs of the car business. Bobby Collins, I'm going to let you kind of uh, kind of kick that off. That's a question, believe it or not, man. This is surfacing a lot here on Facebook, Dave. In the arenas, there's a lot of Internet managers that are saying, heck yeah. Bobby, what do you think, man? You've been in this gig for a long, long time. What do you think about that question, and where is it coming from? 
I really, you know, I really, well, I'm, I'm not going to be try to belittle any kind of internet manager, uh, actually, but I don't know where that word manager comes in at. You know, the internet, a lot, everybody's got an internet guy, and somewhere down the line, they put, they tag the manager. Who does he managing? He's managing himself. I mean, you know, uh, unless you have a uh, internet department, you have one head guy that's going to manage people, but. Uh, uh, I, I think that's a, it's a little bit of a different breed, if you will, because I've got two of them. And on their business card, they say manager, but they don't they don't manage any salespeople. They don't manage you know just themselves. Hmm. Okay, that's a good point. I mean, Mike, uh, Mike, what do you think? Obviously, you know, uh, you and Bobby, and we'll, we'll, we might touch on this a little bit. You guys agreed disagreed a little bit last time on the Foursquare uh, concept, but you know, and we'll touch on that because we are talking tower talk, and I've got a, a different twist on that question later. But I mean, these internet managers or this question surfacing, and a lot of this is coming from people who've left the industry and so forth. But what's your opinion on that, man? You're a general sales manager, or you're, or you're a GSM, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So you're a GSM. You're you're there every day. I mean, are internet managers a future GSMs and GMs? I mean, what is it looking like? Um, or does that really depend on just the person in general, whether they're an internet manager or not? They've got to be a leader. What's your opinion on that, man? Well, I think the title, like you're saying, I think the title is is not important. I think you know that's like saying the the way to the desk is through finance uh, and through closing, and then you get to the desk, and then you get to the GSM part, and then you get to a GM position. I think internet sales manager is an important position for anyone that wants to ascend in the business. It's crucial for any good leader of a store to have a really in-depth understanding of what makes a good internet department, what makes an effective internet department, and how to work with today's internet customers. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that necessarily just because someone's an effective internet sales manager, it means that they're destined to be the next leader of the store. you got to be a leader first. Okay. I agree with that. And, and Rick, I'll, I'll get you to weigh in on this and maybe uh, even expand a, upon it a little bit and tell us maybe what you think the path to the desk is. Well, a little bit, I'm going to agree with Mike that, that you, you, they don't manage people. Um, you, you can't always take a guy off the floor and put him in the Internet and be successful. Just because he sells 25 cars, 30 cars a month, he may not be good there. But in the same token, you can't take a guy out of the internet, and he's going to be a great, uh, a great leader of men and, and women on the on the sales floor. He's got to have the leadership. He's got to have the tools. He's he's got to uh, be able to to create that the following. Um, what's a, a path to the desk? I think that's a stepping stone. I think from from there, they've got to be on the floor. They got to live it. They got to be in the trenches. You know, a general's not going to become a general without uh, being in the trenches. You got to work his way up. And from there, I definitely think they need to go through uh, the uh, F&I before they can ever get to the desk. Great point. I mean, David, yeah, hey, uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, guys, go ahead. But, David, when you get a chance, get over here to Troy. i got a couple of thoughts on this that, that really piggyback a few of those. Yeah, yeah. Troy, actually, I, I'll let you do that. Let me, but in, And I'll let you follow David Green. Uh, David, let me ask you, and I'm assuming I could be wrong. Um, I, I try not to assume, but I'm assuming here possibly that you may – Agree that some of the internet managers. I know that you are the uh, CEO of Call Source, and um, you know, is your what's your opinion on this? Do you do you see this as maybe more of a valid point that 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 we're looking at some of the future GMs and GSMs based on where your where your view is? Well, uh, first of all, I just flew back in from Vegas. I was at the driving sales conference and heard, had this uh, heard this question poised, and uh, I attended JD Powers after that, but. Um, I would agree with some of the other guys' uh, uh, comments on this. We're really confusing, you know, operational roles and uh, sales leadership. There's no doubt that there's a lot of really bright, talented people who are currently in uh, either uh, in individual.
your roles as an internet sales manager or, as a, or internet director or department director that are going to make great uh, uh, sales leaders someday. Uh, you know, conversely, there's, there's people that are, you know, not going to do that, not going to cross that threshold. But the bottom line is that anybody that is going to be in a sales leadership role, I don't think anybody would argue with the fact that they need to know and understand um, this medium we call the Internet and uh, and have a capability to uh, sell to and um, market to that component of their of their of their market and so uh, well I've, I've seen some great uh, potential sales leaders in the internet department uh, you know it's not going to be everybody but it's certainly going to be uh, a, a place where we draw leaders from just like we did from the FNI department and the used car department and so on yeah and, and thank you David and uh, Bobby let me go back to you and I'm gonna just give, give you a quick scenario I spoke to a dealer um, don't forget Troy too. Troy. Yeah, sorry about that, Troy. I think we skipped it's over you. It's all good. Go, it's you know all what? Good, no, you know what, Troy. Go ahead and weigh in. I want to hear your answer on what we what we just spoke of. Yeah, I'll make it real quick. I mean, when you when you're talking about the desk, it's a specific kind of person, and let's not forget that, especially in the digital age, that holding gross is becoming more and more important. And you've got to have a guy that is relatively crafty and can and word track his people and teaches people. So I don't necessarily think that it's not an Internet manager that's going to end up there. If that's the right guy, that's fine. But here's a couple of thoughts. Number one, I think uh, a finance director has a more clear path to that, to that particular position, specifically because of holding growth and being able to set up the F&I department and working with banks, uh, especially in a subprime type of store. Uh, I think that a, a finance director has a clearer path to that job, in my, in my opinion. And secondly, as a vendor now, which a lot of people don't know that for years where I ran stores, but uh, right now we walk into stores and we hear this all the time, and it drives me nuts is, you know, the, the owner will say, hold on a second, let me get my Internet guy in here. And I'll, it, sometimes that Internet guy is just the kid that uploads pictures to AutoTrader or to their website. Sometimes that Internet guy is a BDC manager. There's all these different verticals and silos that, that auto dealers, uh, especially, uh, you know, particular dealers that aren't that digitally savvy, kind of throw their, their guys into this one title of their internet manager or their digital guy. So you have to be careful what silo you take that guy out of. And in particular for a dealer that's not all that digital savvy, I would really, really recommend that he not just come home from a conference and make his, make his internet guy his sales manager. You know, Dave, I want to. I want you to kind of maybe figure this. I know this is where you were going, but something that just I hear, and this kind of poses the next level of this discussion. And I know you were going to Bobby on this, but Dave, I mean, is the, are we making like two? Because the internet obviously is here to stay, and obviously it's it's a force to be reckoned with. I mean, it's, it's here. It's, it's awesome. But I mean, are we making? More is our dealers out of fears, like you just said, in a sense, Troy. I mean, they're they're you know they've got this 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 picture that uh, you know they need this this you know certain person to do something major. When the reality is, it's just a way, just like a mailer, just like a newspaper ad, just like anything else. It's a way that possibly people are going to find their way to the dealership. I mean, it's just you know, I mean, I'm, I'm and is I mean, are, you know, what I'm saying, is it is it less it's, about it's, the internet and more about the person? Uh, well, <laughs> I think it's becoming more the way that that uh, that customers are seeing us initially, and if they're seeing us initially there, mm -hmm. then I want I want I want someone who can represent that really really well. 
Um, I, be, I do believe personally that, um, you know, here's the issue, though, that, that Troy brought up, and, and I know that several others here as well, is that the Internet, BDC, Internet Department, whatever you want to call it, looks so much different depending on the dealership where the other roles in the dealership aren't that there's not that much variance the internet departments bdcs whatever you want to call them um do look different at every dealership so it's really hard and tough to uh just lay something out there in general but i do think that we are going to see the growth and the importance of the internet become more and more apparent as we as we move forward and i think it's going to be there's going to be more uh, you know, weight that's going to have to be looked at there. Uh, what I was going to ask Bobby is that, uh, Bobby, I, I had a, this is a, an actual scenario. I had a dealer reach out to me just recently and, um, they're the only person on the desk and they've got a top salesperson that's selling, you know, 20 cars a month and it's a smaller store. They need help They're They were considering promoting that salesperson, but they're scared to lose that salesperson on the floor. So, um, first of all, how would you address that as a dealer? And maybe secondly, talk about uh, the possibility, if we're not promoting them, are we penalizing them? Uh, exactly right. You should want to promote them within. Uh, and, you know, and, uh, but, uh, I don't think straight from sales to the desk. I, I agree with a couple other gentlemen. I think the best uh, path is going through F&I. Uh, I agree with that. Structure a deal. They got to. They got to learn how to structure a deal, not just pencil a deal, but just need to have to structure a deal. And uh, you don't get that in the internet department. So you don't. You know. Uh, but uh, uh, biggest part of that. And uh, but you. But, but you cannot. You cannot. You cannot work from fear uh, by not promoting somebody up if they deserve that and they if they have the ability to do that. Because not only can they be a great desk manager or a great salesperson, they can also be a great closer to go in on the. Because uh, some of the best desk people are great closers too. So. Uh, you know, everybody, uh, you know, deserves a chance. You know, I, I certainly got one when I was a salesman, and I was a top salesman. So uh, I think that uh, everybody else is going to have – someone else is going to have to fill that void, though. You know, another salesman is going to have to step up, or another two or three salesmen step up to fill that 20-car or 25-car, you know, guy. But I think he will add to those other team members and actually help them move to the next level. Yeah. It comes down to team building. we got to look at building a crew at a dealership like a baseball team, not just for one season, but – Long term, you got to have people that you're cultivating so that when you do promote, Layers. you don't have that idea yeah, that you're losing someone off the floor because you're not losing them. As long as it still works for your company, you're gaining. You're gaining those sales and you're gaining a, a prospective future leader. So you're not losing him. So that fear shouldn't be there at all. You want to help him grow and expand and, and reach new heights. And in, in turn, you want to be able to cultivate people that will come behind him and do the same thing. So it's not a fear that you should be guiding you at your work principles by it all and, and find internet needs to be a stop on the road to the desk just like finance or closing it just needs to be another stop so you get that in-depth knowledge like you know how to work your structure a deal and loan to value and how your banks buy you need to know how the internet works if you don't when an internet salesperson or an internet customer comes to you you're going to be limited in your ability to work with them so it, it just needs to be an additional step on that road to the desk i think uh, okay gentlemen yeah. Let me throw this out there. And, uh, you know, our customer, we, with the internet, we're talking about the internet. We're talking about a more educated buyer, many would say. And, um, you know, uh, some say our internet departments are going to outgrow our sales departments, you know. So, Rick, I'll go to you and let you kind of start this. But, you know, at the same time, at the same time, Rick, I know this is kind of a two pronged question. Um, will the internet departments outgrow the sales departments, A, in your opinion? And then, B, 
um, you know, our customers, is does it make it harder? You're at a desk. Does it make it harder for you, you know, with this back and forth? When a customer does come in, are they more educated? Does it make it harder? You know, we're open back up the, uh, you know, the, the process, you know, where, where we talked again, Mike and Bobby, you know, on the Foursquare and going back and forth. Does it make it more difficult? Are customers more savvy? Are, are they less in the mood to haggle? Or, Rick McCoy, is that kind of a mirage, in your opinion, and it comes down to talent? It comes down to really just putting in the sweat equity. Rick, we'll just pull, put both of those questions on you, and then we'll open it up for you guys to, to respond. Well, as far as the Internet outselling the, the sales floor, it, it, it depends on the store. Um, they're going to – I think they should get a lion's share of the business. Um, if they're taking them cradle to grave, though, I think that's going to be tough for that to happen. You're going to have to – uh, basically, I would love like to have a store that everybody's an internet salesperson. Everybody can take them cradle to grave. Everyone can everyone can answer leads, take care of that. But that's a that's a culture that I think uh, some stores are there, and we're trying to grow that way. Um, as far as is it a mirage? I think that if you are upfront, transparent with the cu- customer on the internet before they ever get here it just came out of driving sales and we've been hearing it for a while but they if you give them a price it does not there's no correlation if you give them a price on the internet that you're not going to make any money in fact jared said you will actually make more money um but give them a price give them what they want when they get here why do i want to start the sale price all over Hey, you need to go home. We we didn't do this right. Let's start this all over and do the whole meet and greet and, and land them on a car. They already know what they want, so why not just move right into? And hey, I'm sure you like most of my customers. You've been on the internet, great. You found a car that you like. Hey, do you have the stock number? Uh, did you print it off? No, I don't have it, but I have it on my phone. Great. Just take it from there. Roll. Don't get rid of the. Get rid of some of that process that's in there that I think is impeding and stopping and slowing down the sale. Bobby, so I think it's a mirage. It's, it's, it's how we handle it, but it comes down to people and process. Train them pro- correctly, and you're going to be ahead of the game. Bobby, Troy, David, I'll open that up to you guys. First uh, question was where our Internet departments outgrow our sales departments. And then secondly, um, is, you know, is, is it the process more difficult you know, are the customers more savvy? Is negotiation less of an option? Is that a mirage or is that a fact? Bobby, Troy, David, I open up to you guys. You know, I think that it's got to be one. It's got to be one team. You know, you take a look. It is growing and it's growing rapidly. And as you stated, it's not going away. So you know, at 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 some point, I think you're either going to end up with the old adage of you know sales and service fighting each other. Now it'll be sales and the internet department fighting each other. The sooner that a dealer decides and really starts to, to uh, cohesively get those two departments to really work together, the faster that you're going to see sales increase. Because as you said, and I couldn't agree more, it's, it, until the customer is on the lot, it's a way to get them on the lot. Whether or not it's a phone up, it's an internet lead, it's you know, emailing back and forth, whatever the case might be, it's really still about appointment setting and getting the customer to show up on the lot, but they shouldn't, they shouldn't become two different departments. There's the Internet department outselling the sales department. The Internet department is the sales department, you know, and I agree. in my opinion. Well, then, in, know, in Troy, Detroit, what you're, work then what you're saying, and I know you're not throwing out names, I am, but, I mean, for instance, the whole philosophy we've had on this show, obviously the big debate, Alan Ram, Sean Bradley, so you're basically saying that you, you, know, you guys are really opting for 
the cradle to grave salesman. And I've always won. I mean, to me, I, other than the fact I've been in the car business 20 years. So, OK, the only thing I can think of that would prevent us from everybody becoming an Internet salesperson slash real salesperson slash human salesperson is if they you know are 75 years old and they've been in the business for a long time and they don't know the Internet, I guess. You know, but other than that, or like Dave, I mean, even Dave over here can get on the internet. But I mean, the the deal. Is, I mean, and, and he and he's it, he was that. I mean, he was typing with like one finger and stuff like that. But you know, the deal is is that's the only thing I can think of. I mean, because other than that, you know. Um, but I mean, so Bobby, I'll throw it to you and, and Dave Green and and let you guys weigh in on it. Um, you know, so so Troy, my question, I guess my comment was that, that Sean Bradley's saying, "Hey, you need two layers," and one of the arguments that a lot of dealers have on that is is um, is that you're adding extra expense, you're adding extra well, money. Why? How, how you? What, you know? What do you say? Let me just let me just finish that thought for you and let those other guys jump in. You know, but just real quick, I would say, <clears throat> yes, I am saying that. However, that as Rick said. You know, it is a transitional period that a lot of dealers are going through. And I believe in all of my heart that it can be done, and you can have a cradle-to-grave sales floor. It's about hiring the right people. It's about having the right management. It's about having the right culture at that store, and it certainly can be done. But that said, there is a good 75, 80, 90 percent of stores right now in this country that are not ready for that and definitely 100 percent need two layers. Okay. Well said. Bobby, David? Well, I, I, I believe that the uh, Internet and sales, they're all, they're, they are the same. I mean, they, they really are. We're selling a car, you know, just to how the customer got here, whether it could be the Internet or walk on a lot or whatever. But they still probably did some research on the Internet. What we do here, we have both sides. I have two Internet managers. They really work the low-lying fruit, the, 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 the easy ones, the ones that are just now, you know, they're, they're going to buy a car today or this week. But the ones that we separated give out to the salespeople that also take ownership in is the 180 day guy out there or the guy that emailed uh, you know four months ago you know we, we keep uh, in contact with them and so they they resurface those deals because there's no way my two guys could keep up with you know uh you know 380 names that were out there you know from two months ago so we uh, we have them all interworking together because it's still they're part of the sales force so it's not a separation Mm-hmm. I mean, even my commercial department is still part of the sales force. So we have, you know, we're in sales. That's what we do. My commercial department sells a lot of work trucks, but you're going to work with customers the same way unless we get involved with state bids and things like that. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to go back to Rick uh, for a minute. Um, Rick, you know, we talked about uh, that scenario earlier about maybe promoting that 20-car guy. Maybe you need someone uh, to step up the, to uh, to give help in, in that smaller store scenario. But but aren't we as dealers, aren't we allowed to uh, kind of define what that job description can be? I mean, it looks so similar to every dealer, and I know there's certain things that you, you don't want to fix a, a wheel when it's not broken, but... Um, but what about, um, you know, in, in that particular case, what about promoting that salesperson that's on the floor that's selling 20 cars a month and promoting them as a closer only, not necessarily bringing them on the desk, but now it gives them an opportunity to still stay involved with their client base. It gives them the opportunity to begin to close deals throughout the dealership. And also, and also you're going to figure out pretty quickly when they're coming in cold with other people's clients, if they have that talent and they can move forward. I agree with that 100%. That's, that's my, my story. That's how I got started. I was a top salesman. 
uh, then got moved uh, over to uh, phone room manager and then slid right into uh, uh, a closer. Uh, and uh, and, and, and it's, that's exactly the path that I personally took, so I believe that 100%. Okay, Rick? Uh, I have guys that they aren't specifically closers, but they're some of the, the senior salespeople, or they actually they, they, the better salespeople, they've been around, they know how to close, they know how to do. Some of them have already been managers, and now they're taking the sales role because that's they, for time. They would rather be on the floor, being spending with their family or, or whatever, but I use those now. Um, so, but to go into a closed role, that'd be a that's like that's the first stepping stone of the growth of a salesperson in the car business. They need to learn how to close deals. They need to learn how to get to other people, not just theirs. That way, they can build the rapport and uh, in in ten minutes and, and move on. So, I I, I agree. Well, I tell you what. Also, talking about my own experience. I, 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 I took a pay cut. I mean, this actually happened to me. So that's one thing you got to be wary. You know, before when I was just a salesman, all I had to worry about myself, and I was a top producer. I mean, I, I, I had months that, you know, my highest number, I sold 57 cars in one month. But when I became, I had to work harder as a closer and made less money. I had a big problem with it at first, but then I had to look at the big picture because that's my way that, you know, I was going to have to go, you know, uh, get to where I wanted to get.